Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Nosebleeds podcast. Today, we will be discussing Wilder versus Fury. Also, touch on the NBA game of the year so far, Lakers versus Celtics. And lastly, we're going to discuss Jameis Winston. Yes, this topic is for all my Bucks fans out there. I'm a fellow Bucks fan. What should the Bucks do with Jameis Winston moving forward? So go ahead, plug in those headphones, and rock with me. Let's go. promise we're going to go ahead here and talk about the Wilder versus Fury fight. <laughs> Look, man, Wilder got wazaza. <laughs> okay, he it was it was kind of sad watching it. Um if I'm if I'm being honest. Fury just outclassed him, outboxed him, and I left away from that match just already knowing and basically, it was solidified that Tyson Fury is just an overall better boxer than Deontay Wilder. Um, he's more skilled, and he has a higher boxing IQ than Deontay Wilder. And we just seen it. Uh, we 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 seen it the whole seven rounds. I mean, he literally walked Deontay Wilder down the whole fight. And good thing. The ref stopped the fight in the seventh round because Tyson Fury was looking for more blood. <laughs> Tyson Fury was looking to end that man, and I and I and I say that with all sincerity. Tyson Tyson Fury was looking to end Deontay Wilder, and if the ref did not stop that that bout in the seventh round, things could have really got ugly, and things could have took a turn for the worse. So I'm glad that the fight ended where it ended, and. My biggest takeaway from the fight was not that Tyson Fury was a better boxer because I stated that to a lot of people that I talked to in the in the last bout that they fought. I believe that Tyson Fury, even though he got knocked down, was just a better boxer that day. I mean, we you, you seen it. But my takeaway from this was you need people around you who's going to be honest with you and tell you the truth. And I felt a lot of people in Deontay Wilder's corner uh, did not tell him the truth. They were not honest with him. They were not sincere with him. And really, that led to his downfall and his own self-awareness. When you're being told 
a non-stop that you won the fight that you had previously. You go into the next bout thinking you have it. And we seen that from Deontay Wilder. When when Fury game plan was basically shown to Wilder, like I'm gonna walk you down, he didn't have an answer for it. He didn't have an answer for it because pretty much he's not ready for it. He's not as skilled as he should be. And part of that is due to his corner not training him correctly, not trying to get the best out of Wilder. And part of that is him being unaware of his skill set and himself. When you're being told all the time that you're good, you're great, you're this, you're that, you're going to knock him out, you're going to do this, you're going to put him in a coffin, things like this, or make excuses about how the how the refs robbed you. or No, it's, it's never about that. You always have to try to get better. You always have to try to perfect your craft. And the training staff, including Wilder himself, enabled the actions that we've seen and enabled the the, the, the readiness that he had in that in that fight. It was just it was just sad to see. Hopefully. Moving forward, Wilder can get past this fight and actually become a better boxer, can become a better better boxer, you know, mentally, you know, perfect his craft. Because let's be honest, when when, when Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, even though he regained his title, Mike Tyson was never the same. Never, ever was the same. He was never Killer Mike. So hopefully Deontay Wilder doesn't lose that 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 passion that that spark that he has and hopefully this makes him a better a better boxer and hopefully he can regain and 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 treat this as a learning experience to first off get, get a new training staff <laughs> okay and then secondly also as well have self-awareness and have accountability for the actions and what you did in the bout and try to get better so those were my takeaways from the match. Next, we're going to go ahead here and talk about the most exciting game that I have seen this year in the NBA, which was the Lakers and Celtics. Coming up after this little short intermission. Okay, so let's go ahead here and talk about one of the most exciting games this year in the NBA season, which was the Lakers versus the Celtics. Uh, of course, they were playing in Los Angeles on Sunday. This game was Pretty action-packed. It was everything that you wanted in a basketball game. Very physical. Uh, the atmosphere uh, was just like a playoff game. Very physical. Very high intense um, impact on both sides. Whew, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I was stayed glued to my TV, strapped in. <laughs> it was it was a great game. Of course, we know LeBron James ended up hitting the turnover to turn around fade away kind of hit Jalen Brown with a little a little dream shake you know a little little reminiscent of a dream shake uh hit the turnaround jumper uh to go up by uh, I believe was it one I believe it was one either one or two and pretty much the Lakers end up closing the game out and winning uh 114 to 112 but the person I truly want to talk about in this game was Jason Tatum 
Jason Tatum was was out of this world. I mean, let's go ahead here and 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 talk about what he did. Okay, on on uh on Sunday. So Jason Tatum has forty one points. He went twelve from twenty <laughs> from the field, had five rebounds and two assists, and. He was just downright in his bag. I mean, he he put on a show. He 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 put on a show, and and for for people who who's ever slighted Jason Tatum, who didn't think you know his 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 way to superstardom isn't real. Sunday, you seen Jason Tatum is on his way to superstardom. I mean. He 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 was just moving, and and the way that he was scoring, it was just so effortless. Uh, at one point, Jason Tatum had, of course, fifteen points in one quarter, which was the second. Then he followed up by having, what was that, sixteen points in the third quarter, <laughs> which then the gave the Celtics the lead heading into the fourth. He was in his bag, like I stated. And he 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 was taking the Lakers to town. Of course, his team did not come away with the victory. But I love what I see from Jason Tatum. I love seeing how effective he was. How he did not waste any of his movements. That's one thing that you see in a lot of great players and players who understand the game. They know how to make quick decisions, and they don't waste their movements. And it may sound simple, but in the grand scheme of things, it is. But that's a very, very key, key thing that you look into, look in a player. For instance, let's take, let's take, you know, I'm a Magic fan. Let's take Aaron Gordon, for example. When I watch Aaron Gordon play, he wastes his movements. He doesn't make quick decisions. And the games that he does make quick decisions, the games that he does know what he wants to do with the basketball, he has good games. And what separates him from a Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum knows what he's trying to do. He knows what spot he's trying to get to. And he's not going to make and waste any dribbles. He's not going to waste any movements. He's going to get to his spot. He's going to get to where he needs to go in order to make a basket, in order to do what he needs to do. So hats off to Jason Tatum. Uh, this can very well be a finals finals preview. You never know. Things can happen. Uh, Celtics is one of my sleeper teams that I've seen in the East. So anything can happen. But it was a very, very exciting game. Uh, Anthony Davis put on a show. He had, I believe, 15 points in the third quarter as well to match, to go up against Jason Tatum and really to keep his team really involved in the game. Uh, so just overall – Great game. Great game. Now, as far as for the NBA, there's going to be a lot of games coming up this upcoming week <laughs> that that that's going to be very exciting. The first one that sticks out in my mind is LeBron James versus Zion Williamson. Of course, Zion Williamson is coming off of a 28.7 rebound to assist game against the Golden State Warriors. He was dominant. I mean, it was one play where... Uh, I believe it was Lee, uh, the the shooting guard for the Warriors. I mean, Zion missed the free throw, right? He missed the free throw. Got his own 
<laughs> rebound back from the missed free throw. Tried to lay it up. He missed. Golden State Warriors guard, Lee, tries to, you know, gets the rebound. And Zion just completely rips it out of his hands. Grown man move. Mind you, he's 19 years old. Rips it out of his hands. Goes back up with it. Gets the foul and one. He's going back to the line. I mean, the man is just sensational. He has everything that you want in a <laughs> franchise player. He has the strength. He has the speed. He has the athleticism. He has it all. He has it all. He has the smarts. And what I like about Zion is he can play within the system. Um, he can fit in a system. He can move without the basketball. And possibly him going to Duke taught him how to play any system, taught him how to function any NBA offense because his transition into the league has just been seamless, and I love it. So him and LeBron going up against each other, that's going to be a very, very good showdown. Plus, we already know there's some history between both teams. Of course, Lonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart played on the Lakers, was involved with the trade to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. So it's going to be a very, very good Good matchup. All right. Now, my second matchup. My second matchup is John Morant versus Russell Westbrook. The athleticism in that game is going to be off the charts between those two. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it. Um, Morant modeled his game after Westbrook, as he stated, um, and calls the veteran his his favorite player, um, it's going to be a very, very, very exciting matchup between those two. To see both of them go at it. Both of them are dogs. So I would, I would like to, I would love, love, love to see John Morant go at it with Russell Westbrook. Uh, it's going to be a great, great show. The the third game that I'm looking forward to is Luka Doncic versus Jimmy Butler. <laughs> now we all know Jimmy Butler. He he talks he talks mad mad cash. And Luca, 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 he 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 he'll give it to you. <laughs> so it's going to be very very interesting to see how does the Miami Heat match up with 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 Luca and how do they try to stop Porzingis? Of course, Bam is going to get turns guarding Porzingis, and then I'm I'm quite sure Jimmy Butler and Iguodala are going to get turns guarding uh, Luca Doncic. It's going to be an overall team effort to stop Luca Doncic. Um, so that's going to be a great matchup as well. Looking forward to it. I really, 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 really want to see that because it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight. I expect the Heat to win in that one, um, really in my my opinion. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a good game. My Nets and last matchup I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this upcoming week is Giannis Antetokounmpo versus Pascal Siakam. <laughs> Look. In Giannis' last game against Pascal Siakam, I'm going to read you his stat line. Giannis had 36 points, 15 rebounds, <laughs> 15, okay, and 8 assists, <laughs> okay, 
against Siakam. All right. But Siakam has shown a renewed energy um, after the All-Star break. You know, before he was looking a little bit sluggish. He was looking a little bit tired. Uh, he looks rejuvenated. He looks ready to go to go ahead here and kick off the playoff push and to go ahead here and get ready for the playoffs. So that's another matchup I am excited to see. And don't sleep on Toronto. Toronto are champions. You can't never beat championship DNA. Once you're once you're a champion, you know how to win. So Toronto is not going to be an easy out in the playoffs. They're not going to be an easy matchup in the playoffs. And Toronto, <laughs> they're they're a hot team right now. So it's it's going to be an exciting matchup to see how do the Bucks and Toronto uh, fare. Uh, I got my money on the Bucks, but we're gonna see. We're gonna see. So those are the matchups I am looking forward to. Um, in the next segment, we're gonna talk about my team, the Bucks, and what should they really do with Jameis? All right. So this last segment is for all my Bucks fans out there, and we're gonna touch on the topic: Should the Bucks bring back Jameis Winston? Or should they let him go? To me, the choice is very obvious. It, I mean, it's, it's kind of dumb that we're having this discussion, in my personal opinion. The Bucks should sign Jameis to a long-term extension. And they should have signed him to a long-term extension about a year or two ago. Because everyone knew... The QB market, money-wise, was going to go up. And really, Jameis Winston, let's be honest, he's better than Jared Goff. <laughs> if, you, if, you put, if you put Jameis Winston on the Los Angeles Rams, they made the playoffs last year. Uh, we're, we're, we're just being honest. If you place Jared Goff on the Bucks, the Bucks don't win seven games. He's better than Dak Prescott. If you place Dak Prescott on the Bucks, the Bucks don't win seven games. If you place Jameis on Dallas, Dallas makes the playoffs. It's, it's it's very obvious to me. I don't understand why. Well, I understand why fans of a Buck a Buck Nation doesn't like Jameis. Jameis is one of those players where he's going to either be loved. Or he's going to be hated. And that's due to his previous history. That's due to the allegations that has been levied on him that are just allegations. So, in all honesty, the Bucks should sign Jameis to a long-term contract. There was a recent report that was stated by Jenna Lane that Mark Cook, a pewter report, basically shot down and said it wasn't true. And when I seen the report by Jenna Lane, it didn't even make sense uh, when, it, when, it, when it was reported. Uh, the report was that pretty much basically the Bucks and Jameis were looking to sign a two-year contract where pretty much it gives the Bucks flexibility and it gives Jameis uh, flexibility in regards to um, their decision that they're going to make the season after the Nets. Look, Jameis Winston will be, and his agent will be completely dumb, and they must really love the Bucks for them to take a deal like that. 
The Bucs just need to stop playing and sign this man long-term, and they need to sign him long-term before Dak Prescott gets his money because if they don't do that, Jameis Winston is going to make bank. For whatever reason, a lot of people don't ha- or, or have the opinion that Jameis Winston market isn't going to be good. Let me remind you guys, Nick Foles... <laughs> Got $27 million. <laughs> Nick Foles. Yes, Jameis Winston is coming off of a 30-30 season in which people are trying to make it a negative. It's actually a positive. Jameis Winston threw for 33 touchdowns this year <laughs> and 30 interceptions. And it is known to anyone who actually watched the Bucks and actually follows the Bucks and who actually covers the Bucks and... For just being real, who don't have a true bias, knows that at least half of those interceptions that was thrown was not his fault, and he pretty much accounted for what his average of 16. Plus, you have to take into account the offense that he's in. Bruce Arians' offense is really sets up the quarterback to have a lot of mistakes, and for the wide receivers. To have a lot of mistakes. A lot of routes that are being ran in the offense are reads that the receiver and quarterback have to make and have to be on the same page. There's different option routes once the receiver gets at the top of their route. So, really, in all honesty, and and as we heard out of Bruce Arians' mouth after some games and after one-day pressers, he would state, yeah, Jameis Winston, we wasn't at fault at that. Or Jameis Winston, none of the interception was his fault. Okay? That's just one thing. The next thing is, why would you get rid of a quarterback when there's nothing else better out there? People keep saying Teddy Bridgewater. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you are you saying Teddy Bridgewater because he lit up the Bucks and that's what you've seen? Or are you just saying Teddy Bridgewater because you just don't want, or you just believe that he's better than Jameis? Because he's not better than Jameis. If he was, he would be starting. He would have had a starting job by now. (laughs) A team would have traded for Teddy Bridgewater if he was that good. A team would have already picked him up if he was that good. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater is not better than Jameis. Okay? Next thing. Bucks fans get talking about Derek Carr. Do we do we really have to go through this? <laughs> do we really have to? Derek Carr, I'm just gonna leave this here. Derek Carr on fourth down <laughs> threw the ball away. That's all you need to say about Derek Carr. Okay. I didn't hurt Cam Newton. Are you kidding me? Cam Newton, the same Cam Newton who's been going through injury crisis, and as I stated. To numerous people before, Cam Newton, once he started getting injured more often, his body was going to start breaking down. You are a quarterback. At the end of the day, I don't care how big you are playing at that position, you are not made to take the punishment that a running back, that a defensive lineman, that a wide receiver can take. That's not, no, you're, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. And Carolina has basically ran that man into the ground. So Cam Newton, no thanks. I'm sorry. Plus, he doesn't fit what Bruce Arians is trying to do. Then I have heard Phillip Rivers. 
why would you want Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers is declining. Philip Rivers is getting old. And let's be honest. He's not better than Jameis either. <laughs> he's not better than Jameis either, and his arm is dying. So, once again, fit and overall talent doesn't work for the Bucs. I have heard Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't want to come here. <laughs> Tom Brady doesn't want to come here. Tom Brady is going to go to a team he knows for a fact is true contenders, okay? And Tom Brady looks at the Buccaneers, and let's be honest, the Bucs' office in line is not that good. I don't care what PFF says. I don't care what Pro Football Focus says. The Bucs' office in line is not that good. The only reason why they're graded so high is due to the fact that the attempts that Jameis throw, which is 39-plus attempts, he threw, what, in like, more than six games last season. I mean, come on. So it's it's just it's just I feel like during this time what the media do is they try to create storylines and we're seeing that here, whether it's with Tom Brady, whether it's with Jameis Winston, they're trying to create a storyline and they're trying to create basically hot takes and the hot takes makes no no sense whatsoever. And I want to give you a prime example of a hot take. Marcus Spears, the ex-football player um, who used to play for the LSU Tigers and then, of course, the Cowboys, say that the Bucks should sign. <laughs> and any Buck fan who heard this knew, like, okay, this is it's, it's getting to the point now. It's getting ridiculous. He stated the Bucks should sign Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Why? That's over. No. No. Why Why would you do that? Why would, why would you sign Teddy Bridgewater and you assign James? Like, no, you're going to either sign one or the other. You're not going to sign both. <laughs> like, that's, just, that's just a dumb take. That just, that's just stupid. That's just dumb. Like, Teddy Bridgewater wants to start. Teddy Bridgewater wants to play. He wants to be a starter. Vice versa, Jameis Winston wants to be a starter. Jameis Winston wants to play. And, and and as well, the Bucks don't have the money for that. And that wouldn't be smart to do. Why would you sign two quarterbacks for? When you have two to court two quarterbacks, the famous saying is when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So why would the Bucks do that? It just makes no sense and it's just dumb. So yes, in my personal opinion, the Bucks should sign Jameis. I feel like if they sign Jameis, Jameis Winston's gonna have a great season upcoming. He's gonna put up very, very great numbers. He's going to come back down to his average total of interceptions, which is around 16, 17, 15, or 15 in that range. But his touchdown numbers are going to go up. Why? Because con continuity and him understanding the offense and the wide receivers understanding the offense better. And hopefully in the draft, the offense, the offensive line gets reassured by drafting either a tackle on either side to replace either DeMar Dotson or move Donovan Smith to the right tackle spot, slide in at a left tackle. So pretty much that's what I'm I'm looking for the Bucks to do. They would be stupid not to not to sign Jameis because if the Bucks don't sign Jameis, best believe someone's gonna sign Jameis. Okay? The league knows Jameis Winston is talent. 
talented. The only people who don't really understand that and know is the people who already have a preconceived bias on Jameis Winston and the people who just don't know what they're looking at and truly, in all honesty, don't know what they're watching. Football is one of the most team-oriented sports in the world. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's not like basketball where you can have one to two of the best players on the court and your team is going to literally, literally be carried. No, football is not like that. If you have at least three to four positions um, on your team that is below to low average, especially in key spots, your team's not going to do well. Okay? Football is a team-oriented sport. You cannot base wins on how to judge a quarterback. It's just it's just dumb and stupid. And I feel like a lot of Bucks fans do that. And that is due to the Bucks just being a impoverished franchise, being a losing franchise. But don't make the same mistake that you have made before Bucks. Sign Jameis, sign him to a long-term contract, get him locked up so we can get this ship rolling and so the Bucks can make some noise next year. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really, really hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed this episode as well. It's episode four, which is great, awesome. Please tune in next time. I hope everyone has a great rest of your day, and see you soon. We out.